0: Hello and welcome to Real vs Feel, Netball Numbers That Matter, a brand new podcast with me, freelance journalist Erin Dallahunty and Dr. Aaron Fox, a lecturer in applied sports science and research methods at Deakin. Last Super Netball season, we hosted a series for the Melbourne Vixens, taking a weekly look at that team. But this year, we've gone out on our own and we'll look at the numbers that matter across the entire league each week. We wouldn't be here without our major sponsor, All in One Property. If you've ever purchased property, you know it involves tons of paperwork and stress. You've got to sort conveyancing, finance, and insurance, and that's if it's a simple deal. All in One Property can help handle every step, or just one. Visit allinoneprop.com to learn more. Now, I'd like to start by acknowledging I'm recording on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people in Etawah, and Aaron is on Wadawurrung land in Geelong. We pay our respects to elders, past and present. It's time to welcome my mathematically-minded friend, Aaron. How much have you missed me, Aaron?
1: Look, Aaron, it's (laughs) been a long off-season without you. But now that we're back, I'm looking forward to reviving all the hits of last year, like the lack of defensive statistics in netball and the overpowered nature of the super shot. Brilliant. Uh, So yeah, looking forward to the year.
0: Love it. So let's get into it. The first centre pass of the season will be taken this Saturday, March 18, when Collingwood and the Swifts face off at John Kane Arena, which now, of course, is home to a gorgeous statue of netball icon, Cheryl McMahon. Then there's the grand final rematch between Fever and Vixens in Perth Saturday night. Lightning versus the Giants on the sunny coast on Sunday. And then finally, the Firebirds host the Thunderbirds in Brisbane. Now, I think we'll zoom in on the Thunderbirds first, Aaron, because last season they were fascinating, statistically speaking. They were essentially the best team defensively, but the worst in scoring. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I think you're yeah, pretty spot on there. it probably fits with where they ended up sitting on the ladder by the end of the season. So you would be hard-pressed to argue that the Thunderbirds didn't have the number one defence, statistically speaking, last year. They were miles ahead of anyone else in the competition when it Mm -hmm. came to causing turnovers. They had 242 gains across the season, and the next closest was the Vixens at 181. And this equates to averaging about four to seven more games than every other team across the competition in 2022.
0: Huge. Such a difference. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they also allowed the least goal attempts of all teams across the season, which is obviously helpful because it's going to limit your opponent's scoring the less chances they have. Uh, but on the flip side of that, you'd also be hard-pressed to argue the Thunderbirds didn't have the least impressive attack in the yes. competition last year. <laughs> yes. Uh, They had the most general play turnovers per game out of any team in the competition. And you contrast this to the grand finalists, the Vixens and the Fever, who had the least. So minimising turnovers is likely a big key to success in Super Netball. Mm. And while they allowed the least goal attempts, the Thunderbirds also took the least goal attempts out of any team. And to really compound on that, despite the large number of gains the Thunderbirds had, they were the least efficient team in converting (laughs) these to scores. So getting the ball back from their opposition, but not necessarily doing a lot with it.
0: So frustrating for their fans last year. But we already know, right, from Team Girls Cup, though, that the Thunderbirds are a very different looking outfit this year. I mean, especially in attack, the signing of um, English shooter Eleanor Carbwell was probably the biggest coup of the off-, off season and having her in that circle along with Lucy Austin as well as having Tipper Dewan and Georgie Horges to call on should really see them improve in, in volume and accuracy I would imagine and then the defence end hasn't, you know, essentially hasn't changed. You've got Shamira Sterling and Latanya Wilson in there, you know, who've got a lot more experience now. Commonwealth Games under their belt, they've looked as scary as ever at the preseason tournament, Team Girls Cup, that we saw a couple of weekends. Aaron,
1: yeah, I mean, across the preseason, that Thunderbirds defence still seems to be firing. Uh, when you look at the statistics from the tournament, they led the way in generating turnovers, where they were equal first with the Swifts in this category and they still led the way in limiting goal attempts by their opposition. Uh, And then on the other side of the ball, there is perhaps some hopes for a revamped Thunderbirds attack based on the preseason statistics. So they didn't have the most general play turnovers out of all teams, they actually had the third least out of everyone, so they're taking much better care of the ball. Still some improvements made in converting the gains to goals, not the worst, but still not the best in this category. Still sitting about twenty percent or below the Fever and Vixens, so a bit to improve on. And you did mention Eleanor Cardwell there, and mm. she had some some pretty good numbers at the the preseason tournaments. Um, If we sort of extrapolate to how much she played up to 60-minute games in the regular season, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she's looking at giving them about 40 goals per game. um, They'll take that. (laughs) Yeah, you'll take that. It's it's not right up there with the best in the league, but um, it's enough given, you know, perhaps the slower pace the Thunderbirds play at. One thing to perhaps look into in Cardwell's early uh, games of the season is mm-hmm. shooting percentage. Mm. So in the first couple of games, she was sitting around about seventy-five to eighty percent, but brought that up to ninety percent in the the third game. So. Just something to keep an eye on with that revamped Thunderbirds attack.
0: She certainly seems like a player that is going to get better and better in a great league like we have here in Australia. And once she gets used to that physical pressure, I think perhaps there's a bit of a learning curve for her there. Um, Now, next up, I'd love to have a look at one of our favourite stats. Um, You mentioned it off the top, the gains to goals, which I always feel is just intrinsically linked to a team's success, which side was the best at doing that last year? And who was the worst also?
1: Well, the Vixens led this stat in 2022, converting about 71% of their games into goal scoring um, so good. at the other end. Yep. And so this was like a real weapon for the Vixens as they were also second in the league for generating those games. Mm. So they were effectively the best team in turning their defence into attacking opportunities. Um and then just below them, you've got the Magpies at number two for gains to goal percentage at about 68%. And the eventual champions, the Fever, were sitting third at 65%. And perhaps, I guess, just a bit of an ominous warning from the preseason with the Fever was that they <laughs> improved upon this and actually led all teams in this statistic at 75%. So, you know, the fever's already a scoring powerhouse and it could get even that. better if yeah. they keep this up. And, you know, we'll see how the Thunderbirds come in because they were, you know, like we said, sitting right at the bottom of the league for this statistic but seem to be improving looking at pre-season.
0: Yeah, it's going to be one to watch from them. Now, I've just got a quick word from our major sponsor, Buying a property seems simple enough. You find a house, you get a loan from the bank, you sign on the dotted line, but in reality, of course, it's much more complicated than that. You've got to get a section 32, get it reviewed, understand all the conditions, then there's securing finance, the right provider, the right deal, conveyancing, paperwork, insurance. Suddenly, it's very complex, Paperwork City. That's where All-in-One Property comes in. All-in-One Property helps manage it all and just, or just parts of it. Covering conveyancing, finance, insurance and property law, All-in-One Property streamlines the process, helping clients across, the, across access all the services they need in one place, whether that's one or more. And they have a dedicated customer service specialist to coordinate it all. Visit allinoneprop.com or call 039824491 to discuss how you can benefit from a streamlined property transfer process. Now, next up is maybe, uh, I don't know, your favourite or my favourite or the fans' favourite, which is something we dubbed the PG rating last year, Aaron. So it tracks the number of penalties, that's the P, a defender gets pinged for compared to how many gains, that's the G, that they take per game, which I absolutely love because I always talk about the cleanliness of defenders in my writing, but often it's hard to quantify just a number of penalties. Isn't you know is, is a bit of an arbitrary measure. It also speaks to the fact that staying in play can really build pressure. So I've got so many questions, but first off, of all the league's defenders, who was the best in season twenty twenty two for this stat and the worst?
1: So yeah, I mean it's a defensive statistic, so we're really <laughs> I think it's your favourite. Um, sorry, you're not going to palm that off of me. Um, But to introduce this again, we're looking for lower numbers as better here, where it shows how a defender can generate gains while minimizing turnovers. So we're in that golf scoring frame of mind, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we've found is that good defenders seem to sit around three penalties per game. And I don't want to say bad defenders, but maybe a different style (laughs) Style, of defenders can sit up at five or six. Because you've got someone like Jeeva Mentor, who is perhaps one of the the worst in this category mm-hmm. last year at that five or six, point. Mm-hmm. you're not going to say she's a bad defender. Of course, of course, yeah. But across 2022, you've got some pretty standout defenders like Clow, Western, Dehaney sitting at around three to three and a half for this ratio. Mm-hmm. You then step up to players like Bruce, uh, Bakewell-Doran, Latanya-Wilson sitting around two and a half, and then like way out in front of everyone else, is Shamira Sterling, who achieved a ratio of 1.6 in 2022. So (laughs) you're looking at someone like her, she's not even getting two penalties for every gain she creates. And she is somewhat in a league of her own when it comes to this cleanliness, building pressure, defensive nature, I think.
0: Mm, And I think the one thing that those stats can't tell us is how much that Unpenalised pestering that Sterling does wears her player down. It's not as if she's not contesting the ball and standing back and thinking, I don't want to get penalties and therefore not getting the whistle. It's more a case of she knows when they're worth it and when they're not, in my humble opinion, Anyway, I think it'll be really fascinating to see how the Sunshine Coast Lightning goes in this metric this season, Aaron, because they've really got a brand new looking defensive line with obviously Carla Pretorius coming back from having a baby um, out there at goal defence, and the former Vixen Dehaney at goalkeeper. Carla's probably pretty up there uh, in in this stat as well, even though we have we didn't see her in last season.
1: Yeah, it's definitely interesting to mention Carla Pretorius in this discussion because she's perhaps one of the only defenders that's come close to Shamira Sterling uh, in this yeah. category uh, in the last few years. If you look back to the 2020 season, Pretorius had a ratio here of 1.8, which uh, is right, getting close. below yeah. at two mark, quite rare. And, you know, if you pair this sort of form with what the Haney showed last year and a little bit in preseason, yeah. you potentially have this defensive pairing that can generate turnovers uh, quite effectively whilst also being clean and avoiding penalties, which is the exact sort of combination you want down that defensive end.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing them build over the season. Um, Now, we have an old favourite, which is Fox Answers the Fans, which, of course, is usually a question from a listener. But in lieu of not having any listener questions just yet, I thought I might pose you one if that's okay. Okay. On a pure feel, I reckon we're going to see the West Coast Fever lift the trophy again this season. We saw them win the Team Girls Cup. And it's especially the case, I think, when you think they're virtually unchanged personnel-wise. Is there anything in the stats that gives us a hint as to how sides might actually be able to beat them this year? I mean, obviously, we saw the Vixens beat them a couple of times last year. The Giants and the Firebirds also managed wins over them. So we know that it's possible, but how? (laughs) Please tell me.
1: Look, you're really not going out on a limb with your prediction here with respect (laughs) to the fever. Such a hot take. (laughs) Yeah, not giving a lot of credit to that. Statistically, though, there seems to be a few key characteristics when you look at the West Coast fever's losses over the last two years that sort of stand out. And the first one is that you have to score. Uh, 64 is the lowest total anyone has beaten the fever with over the last two years, and to Put this in perspective, Mm -hmm. last year only the Firebirds and Fever averaged more than 64 goals per game. So teams need to play above their average when it comes to scoring Mm -hmm. for them to actually win. Yep.
0: Uh,
1: Perhaps contrasting to this, though, is that slowing the the game down might be effective. So in the Fever's losses versus their wins, Mm -hmm. uh, they've had eight less possessions per game, which is indicative of this reduced pace of play. And another indicator of this is that they had 10 less circle feeds per game in their losses, which Mm -hmm. is effectively reducing their scoring opportunities. So slow the game down, but also score more. It's a bit (laughs) conflicting, but if you can do that, you're you're probably getting close. And then the last point is to keep the game close. When you look at the Fever's average winning margin over the last two years, it's been about 11 goals, which is a decent margin, but I think you can imagine once they're out to a lead with the, uh, attacking players they have, it's probably unlikely you're going to be chasing them down.
0: Yeah. I mean, slowing the pacing and keeping close sounds easy enough, but as you say, doing it in in reality is probably a different thing altogether. Uh, Now, we would absolutely love to get listeners involved in the show this year, so please send through some questions for Aaron. The curlier, the better, Um, particularly around the sort of statistics or the the sort of metrics that you'd like to have a look at. Um, Pop onto your favourite social media platform, use real. Versus feel, R E A L V F W L, and we'll get him to answer them in the next few episodes.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's all about trying to stump me with the most yes. obscure, yes, statistical takes you can think of. For uh, sure. But hey, this year I'm not the only one with my own segment, right, Aaron? It seems to always <laughs> fall on me these segments, but sort of put you in the hot seat, I think. And. I believe this is something you've been cooking up sort of over the off season and it's been called Dalla Bluntly, right? Yes. And I mean, if there's one thing we're good at here, it's what well, there's two things there's using alliteration or generating puns for segment names. So, I mean, I've heard each week. You've got a hot take or some breaking news or another tidbit you'd like to share? Yeah. What's it all about? That's this week? it,
0: that's it. I couldn't let you have all the fun, could I, Aaron? Uh, yeah. yes, we're calling it Della Bluntly, and I have to credit my friend Fiona Crow who came up with that genius name. Uh, As you said, hopefully just share share something really quickly with the listeners, whether it's a bit of breaking news or or something else. But this week, I wanted to give Super Netball Netball, the organisation and broadcaster Fox Sports a really big up for the campaign that it unveiled at the recent season launch in Melbourne. It sort of puts a new spin on the very familiar netball mantra of here if you need and flips it to we are here. So it's very loud and proud and it makes a clear distinction between the grassroots game of netball that we see played all over Australia and the elite league that is super netball. It doesn't try to be nice, as netball far too often is, in my opinion, and it showcases just how tough the athletes are. Um, to me it feels like Netball sort of owning that it's fierce, fast and feminist and I absolutely love it. So that's it. That's all it is, Aaron. So just like that.
1: I am looking forward to it each week <laughs> and particularly when something happens with the super shot, yes. that's what I'm looking forward to with respect <laughs> to that segment.
0: Look, anyway, enough from me. It's time for you to do some work. I would love a shot in the dark from you. So this is what we're going to be uh, labeling your stu- statistical predictions uh, for each round. I realise I'm asking a lot because you don't have much to go on. Obviously, rolling into round one this weekend, but if you had to, what would you name as a prediction for me?
1: Yeah, round one is always tough, and I think my predictions early on in the season are more in that feel yes. versus real frame yeah. of mind, right? Yeah. Not many numbers to go on, but sort of taking what we saw over the international season to, to guide this prediction. And mm-hmm. what I really liked was some of the form that we saw from the Sunshine Coast Lightning players across Ooh, the international yes. test matches. And yep. looking at the year, I think... Pretty early on, maybe even before some of those international matches, the the Lightning were kind of pegged down the bottom of the ladder in a few people's predictions. But I actually like them as my outside chance to cause teams some trouble this year. So they're playing the Giants in round one. They lost both of their matches to the Giants last year. Mm -hmm. But if we look at the preseason numbers, statistically, these teams look like they're going in opposite directions. So for one, I'm predicting the Lightning can win this game. But more than that, I'm thinking it might be a relatively easy, let's say, five or more goals win.
0: Right. Well, I mean, Lightning do have the current Diamonds shooting line. So I think anyone probably, you know, underestimates them at their peril. And the Giants, I really don't like when people describe teams as one-player teams, but Joe Harton plays... They look like one thing when she doesn't play. They look like the other. So, I've uh, made a note of that one, and we shall. I, I'm definitely banking
1: re- on Joe Hart and not playing. Okay. For to come. So. <laughs>
0: this this is predicated on Joe not being there. She. Yeah. It'll Let me be just inter- put that in. It'll be interesting to see whether she does get back or not. That's sort of been her aim, I know, but whether she makes it or not is probably uh, another thing. So. Well, that's a wrap for our first episode. Um, please be sure you'll be able to find us on Twitter and Instagram at Real V Feel. So jump on there, give us a follow, and you can certainly have a chat to us on there. And send us your Fox Answers the Fans questions there using the hashtag Real V Feel as well. All-in-One Property is a dedicated property services provider. What does that mean? It's a one-stop shop for when you're buying a home, helping you handle the conveyancing, finance, insurance and property law paperwork, reducing stress, saving time. Use all the services or just some. Visit allinoneprop.com to find out more.